everyone. Welcome to Chi Alpha After Hours. We're your hosts, Cassie, Nathan, and Christian, here to take a closer look at what it means to follow Jesus on the university campus. Last term, we recorded an episode where we discussed the nature of hell and some common thoughts people have about it. Today, we wanted to do something similar in talking about heaven. In American culture, and even among Christians, we found that there are a lot of ideas out there about what heaven is actually like, and not all of those are rooted in scripture. So today, we're going to tackle a couple of those thoughts. Uh, let's jump right into it. The first myth we'll be talking about is that people don't have bodies in heaven. Uh, your soul is the only part of you that lasts for eternity, so in essence, bodies are temporary and don't matter. Um, so this is a myth that we're talking about. What is some biblical evidence that suggests that isn't true? Well, there's a, there's a bunch of, of ones that, that, there's a bunch of scriptures that really talk about this. Um, but the main one, the one that's like the most, most important is, um, is a lot of Jesus's ministry is about the resurrection of um, this promised resurrection that he has. And you even see that Jesus, um, he raises from the dead. And so, um, and, and he, he says to Thomas, he says to his disciples, he says, hey, come and touch my body and see that it's me. And Thomas, um, not believing, he's like, until I touch Jesus' body, I'm not going to believe he rose from the dead. And, and Jesus um, has him touch his hands and his side. And, um, and then later we see that Jesus is eating fish with, um, with his disciples. And so it shows that there's this, this is hope for not just a spiritual um, future for humans, but also this idea of um, that there's this physical body and that there's this hope for matter and the earth. And um, actually, this is really important to me because like, when I um, first became a Christian, I just thought people died. I didn't even know that Jesus had risen from the dead for like nine months. Like I became a Christian in August mm -hmm. and I just thought Jesus died for your sins, and then that meant that, like, he died and he went to heaven, and then when we die, we'll go to heaven. I didn't realize that he had risen from the grave. It, it, it went until next Easter where I didn't realize, like, oh, whoa, Jesus rose from the dead? Oh. And then understanding, like, people were talking about how important that was, and nobody had explained to me why that was important. Um, and so it wasn't for another like four or five years that I ever like got clear understanding about why the resurrection was important. But the main thing there is that Jesus conquers death. Like not only did he like um, come and make a way for us to be close with the father again, but he conquered death and, and destroyed um, the, the physical like decaying that we experience as human beings. You know, he didn't, when he made the world, he made a physical world. Um, and there was, there wasn't the intention of human beings to die. Like his plan was that they would continue to eat a tree of life and they would be sustained by God and that they would continue to live. But because um, humans like ate the, the tree of um, good knowledge of good and evil, um, God said, because of this, you are going to experience death and you're going to die. And so Jesus ultimately reverses that curse. Mm -hmm. And um, and then it means that there's a hope not just for um, our spiritual status, but that uh, like our bodies are going to be changed and, um, and that the earth is going to be restored. And I think ultimately it means like, God, God sees us not just as spiritual beings, but our bodies are integral parts of who we are. And so, so um, yeah. 
um, an interesting historical um, fact about uh, uh, the time in which the Bible was written is that <clears throat> the notion that within like certain uh, deviant Christian sects in the early church, it was not a, this belief that our bodies don't matter. It's just the immaterial portions of us that matter was actually in the first century. Like that belief was actually in the first century. And um, to combat this uh, uh, false doctrine, um, actually the the disciple John wrote a lot of, he wrote the gospel and many of his letters actually directly confronting the issue. So there's this deviant, well, deviant sect or, or group called Gnostics who kind of had this way of looking at the Christian narrative and, uh, or Jesus's life and being like, well, Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. He didn't physically die. That was just a, a mirage or an illusion of him dying. It was really just, he's a ghost being crucified. Um, and so like he, he didn't actually die. And so this was a way of them communicating. It's like, well, see, the only thing that matters is actually the immaterial person. Um, and to confront notions like this of Gnosticism, these Gnostic notions, uh, John writes very distinctly about Thomas. He adds, um, not to the narrative, but he like expands on the narrative that's already been told about Jesus's resurrection. Mm -hmm. Um, and detailing the story of how uh, Thomas says, hey, I'm not going to believe that Jesus is back until I uh, put my hands in his side and into his hands. Where the nail scars Yes, were. where the nails yeah. went into, uh, into Jesus's body. Mm -hmm. And essentially, and then Jesus appears in the room and he's like, hey, here I am. Put your, put your finger in my side and into my hands. Mm -hmm. And it's a very clear statement that John is, and there's other things that he writes to combat this, the fish uh, mm -hmm. being another instance, um, the eating of the fish that Christian talked about. Um, but John specifically uh, uh, elaborates on the resurrection narrative to be like, no, Jesus had a physical body. It wasn't just a ghost that got crucified. It wasn't an illusion. He actually was human a mm -hmm. physical being and when he came back he wasn't immaterial either mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he it was actually physical and something that's important is like there is this uh uh part of the the story of christ is that he foreshadows our own resurrection mm -hmm. so in his resurrection of his physical body and his spiritual body um or spirit. Yeah. Um, he, uh, is ultimately the image of what we will become in a sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like he's like, Hey, this is, this is what I promise. I promise resurrection mm -hmm. of your body and your soul. Mm -hmm. Like, like the firstborn of the dead. Yeah. He, right? Yes. Yeah. Firstborn of the dead. And so, um, yeah. And so like, it's a really, I think it's really helpful to know. It's like, Oh, this isn't new. A lot of a lot of t the time, I think, in our, our culture, we tend to think that there's, we have these new ideas in the 21st century, 20th century. It's like, actually, no, they're actually really old. Yeah. They're really, really old. Mm -hmm. um, cult, uh, a lot of uh, cults today who borrow from Christianity um, are actually revisiting these old ideas. They're re reincarnation. 
reincarnations. That's a bad <laughs> word for it. But they are re, uh, new manifestations of really just stuff that came up 2,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. In the gospel, the, the disciples were very like, no, 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 very clearly about this. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I, I, it's just a really uh, helpful thing for us to keep in mind. It's like this is not a new fight that we're fighting. It's an old fight that we've been fighting for 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, too, that Jesus's body has those marks, right? Mm -hmm. So when God restores him to a physical form, he still has the marks of the suffering that he went through. And so sometimes I think when we're talking about this and we're like, oh, okay, we'll have physical bodies. Um, sometimes we do a lot of guesswork of like, oh, are we like in our prime? Are we all going to be in our 20s? Like, what's that going to look like? Um, and I think we don't totally understand it, but there is something to like Jesus carrying those into eternity um, of like the, the life that we lived here actually matters and mm -hmm. is going to continue to matter through eternity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What if we all came back as four-year-old selves? Mm -hmm. Or like, or like, or two year olds, like, or people that can't like crawling everywhere, you no know, eternally six months old. I don't know. I'm just kidding. It's messy around. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But like, I mean, to add a little bit to what Cassie's saying, I think it's a really provocative idea to think that, to think, um, you know, Jesus's um, marks of his crucifixion are something that he doesn't hide. Mm -hmm. It's actually a statement of his glory. Mm hmm. Um, and I wonder, I do wonder, okay, this is, this is me thinking, okay. I'm not saying that this is gospel or scripture, mm -hmm. but I do wonder if like, for example, Christian has this cauliflower ear and Christian, if you know anything about Christian, if you've ever talked to Christian, he does not, he is not ashamed of that thing. <laughs> He's like, I no, earned this. Absolutely. This is. This is my badge. That's wrestling, right. yeah. From wrestling, yeah. Um, I love it. And I wonder if some, if there's these things that we perhaps, uh, in our resurrected bodies, mm -hmm. I wonder if there's some things that God's like, whoa, this was the most great. This was this physical mark on your body was actually like your greatest glory. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what that looks like. I do think though that there there is a. Um, there is healing and restoration, though, in the, mm -hmm. in the afterlife. So mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that, you know, oh, I have this scar from when my appendix was removed. That's <laughs> yeah. going to still be there or something sure. like that, you know. But mm -hmm. but it is an interesting thought. It's like Jesus, like, showed Thomas the holes in his hands and the hole in his side mm -hmm. as a statement of, like, evidence of who he was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, um, I think it's a really provocative or a really interesting thought to think about what a redemptive redeemed bodies, resurrected bodies that are actually going to look like. Well, and I mean, I think like about all the martyrs who died in the, you know, in the, the Colosseum, mm -hmm. you know, just imagine all the scars or all the marks that they had when they, when they died for Jesus, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. at the lions. And I wonder if in the new heavens, like, you know, we would look upon somebody's like maybe the like claw marks across their face or, and um, we would like look at these scars that they have and we would just... Like, you know, we would just think beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, this, this person's so beautiful because of, not because, because we're going to be looking with different eyes, mm -hmm. with different values. And what we're going to see is, you know, this is the, um, this is the, this is the love towards Jesus. This is faithfulness towards Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that we would look at those scars and just really mean like, whoa, what, what beautiful, what a beautiful mm -hmm. thing that is. So 
I think it's a transformation of the, even the meaning of the marks in our mm. body. Um, but I think you're right. It's like, you know, just because we have a scar doesn't mean it's going to be mm-hmm. present <laughs> in the, or I right. lost my leg or mm-hmm. we don't know. You know, I think people, mm-hmm. I think there's a great hope in the healing of our bodies for mm-hmm. people who are blind or mm-hmm. who went through life, you know, um, in their, in wheelchairs or um, just different afflictions like that. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's, there's a promise of yeah. ultimate healing in the next, yeah. next. And, and yeah, and I would just to kind of add to that, we do see that Jesus meets that need on earth. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, he heals blind people and he heals paraplegics and stuff like that and so and that's also a foreshadowing of what is to come Mm -hmm. but i think what christian is kind of introducing is this idea of maybe a a, ultimate change in perspective of those things um yeah an ultimate change in perspective of those things um and rather than like simply saying that um you know all these scars all these wounds are bad we actually begin to see them as um points of beauty and points of honor mm-hmm. because they were in service of the Lord. Um, and yeah. 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 I think it's important for us to remember that God's definition of good is not necessarily what mm-hmm. we think. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Like on, in Genesis one and two, God makes these humans who are both physical and spiritual. And that's what he says is very good. Um, and I don't think his definition of that changes, right? Like, we see Jesus doing ministry and he's healing people. He values the the physical bodies of people. Um, I think my favorite passage about this is actually in Revelation, um, where John is writing about what the hope is um, for eternity. And he says, um, this is Revelation 7 verse 9. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Um, And it's such a physical image, right? Like he knows people are from different tribes and nations Mm -hmm. and peoples and languages because he can see them. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's something really beautiful about that, Mm -hmm. that I think we need to lean into as the church here, um, as we're anticipating that final restoration of, of what things are going to look like are meant to be, um, is this, this connection of both the physical part of worship and the spiritual part of worship coming together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked a little bit about this myth and, uh, the Gnostics and all of these things. Um, but I think it's important for us to talk about like where the myth initially came from. Um, so where does this idea that our souls are the only part of us that's eternal come from? Um, why is it still around today? Yeah, I think it really comes from, you know, this, there's a, there's a a lot of Greek, um, you know, a lot of the gospel, you know, even the New Testament was written in Greek, you know, Greek culture was very um, important and popular in ancient Rome. And a lot of um, Greek philosophy, there was this elevation of the spirit above what was, or the soul or the mind above what, um, above the body. And so, um, you know, the biblical narrative, it talks, actually, the Old Testament doesn't separate, like, it talks about different parts of a person, like it says there's the heart, says there's um, the soul, the strength, you know, there's obviously a mind, Um, sometimes it talks about a spirit, I mean, there's all kinds of words it uses, but ultimately, the Bible talks about like kind of a biblical unity of the person, like a, Mm -hmm. a person, like your physical body is who you are. 
like it's part of your identity. It's an essential part of you. Um, the Greeks would be a little bit more like, no, the true self, the true who you are is what you think. It's your rationality or it's your logic or it's your spirit, your soul, you know. And um, that translated after after Jesus' popularity got really popular, after he word about him spread throughout the Roman Empire, um, a group of Greeks, most likely Jewish Greek people, so people mm-hmm. that were Jewish, had heard about Jesus, but also were very... Um, like raised in Greek cities, mm-hmm. um, what they did was they kind of molded all of their philosophies and thoughts together. And that's where this idea even really took off and where we see things like um, perpetuated even down to today. Mm-hmm. Um, but they came up with Gnosticism, and Gnosticism mm-hmm. essentially was a belief that um, it says that like it kind of takes the Old Testament and it takes the creator God and it says um, the God who made matter um, was was mean, um, bad. And he what he did was he trapped all human souls um, into a bot into bodies. So like so so the one who created all of the world is really not like a benevolent God, but he's a, a, a trapping um, bad God. And so. Ultimately, the question of what is salvation is to escape the physical. Mm-hmm. So if if I can not be um, a, a physical being anymore, that is like liberation. Like the thing holding me down is my physicality. And so, so Gnostics believed like our bodies or the matter of this world were evil. But Jesus as this, like, like uh, Nathan kind of said it, like a ghost, like a spirit being. Mm-hmm. Like they reinterpreted Jesus as like he was here with us, but really it was an illusion. Mm-hmm. We didn't really see a body. We just saw like a physical illusion. And he offered us a way out of our bodies. Mm-hmm. And um, and so the, ultimately there's a liberation from, from that. Now, Gnosticism, just in case you Wikipedia this, <laughs> um, I'm giving you kind of the cliff notes. Um, and it's great to study into, but it's also more of a tendency hmm. and not, you know, mm-hmm. there's no strict like mm-hmm. tenets of Gnosticism. So I'm kind of talking about the general family of how Gnosticism mm-hmm. plays out, mm-hmm. but it's had a huge impact, you know. Mm-hmm. So in the first four centuries, most people like right now, people want to like get married or people want to like have kids or we're talking about like um you know, sexuality is a big topic for us in our time, but in the Roman time back then, everybody was like, don't get married. Like sex is bad. Mm. Like, and that was not just like a, um, a Christian thing or a, like the Gnostics were like, I can help you escape your sexual desires. And so it was seen even in the secular world as like really amiable if you didn't have any sexual relations. And that, that was like a, like a physical trapping. Mm-hmm. And so Gnosticism was a way of escaping that, you know, mm-hmm. sexual whatever. And so, well, so we see that in the first couple centuries is that, um, that there's this denigration of the physical mm-hmm. and um, this is elevation of the spiritual. And, you know, I don't know, when I was a kid, I was even raised with like Looney Tunes. <laughs> you guys ever watch those Looney yeah. Tunes? And when the, when the cartoons die, they float up mm-hmm. into heaven mm-hmm. and play the harps on oh, the clouds yeah. mm-hmm. you know that's yeah. a very gnostic mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. is that like oh we're these when we die we'll be liberated from mm-hmm. from the matter and so 
Yeah. So the gist is bodies are gross. Your true self is like this soul spirit thing that goes on. Yeah. And you should reject bodily things like, you know, like sex or any other physical stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. or there was even some Gnostic thoughts that are like, oh, because the body doesn't matter. So it, it went from either like extreme asceticism, which means like I'm I'm totally abstaining from sex. I'm totally I'm like only going to eat what is necessary, like like real like harshness on your body, maybe even like beating your body. That's where mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff comes from. Yep. Like mm -hmm. and there's even like spiritual there's even Christian groups now that still practice mm -hmm. Self-flagation, yeah, where um, where they beat their bodies, and they take the flesh is so evil that you need to beat mm -hmm. it into submission. Wow. Um, actually, if you ever seen the Da Vinci Code, mm -hmm. the crazy monk in the Da Vinci Code, he's doing this, mm -hmm. and it's a very it's a very gnostic vision mm -hmm. of of the body, and so mm -hmm. you even have points where people are building poles. And mm -hmm. climbing up on poles in the third century, so they can be closer to heaven and farther yeah. away from the physical world. Okay. And so there's just this this total vision of like I'm trying to escape my physicality. But on the other side, some monastics are like, you know, because the body doesn't matter, and because it's evil, whatever. Instead of maybe they would say it doesn't matter, it's a trap. What I do physically doesn't matter, and so mm -hmm. those people would be very sexually prom mm -hmm. promis promiscuous. They would um, be gluttonous because they said I can indulge in whatever I want because it's not affecting my spirit. That sounds mm -hmm. way more true to what we tend to see today. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. I think just to make a comment about that, like where this, where this. Um, Gnostic notion comes from, or this, uh, our soul is the only thing that carries on. It, uh, as Christian is talking, it's something that occurs today, which is our culture thinks things and then we bring it into what we already believe, mm -hmm. um, rather than holding to what scripture actually says. And so there's this co opting that has happened over and over and over and over and over. It happens all the time. Um, and we, our culture tends to have this way of thinking about something, about a topic, or has a philosophy um, that explains the world, and we have adopted that, and then we co-opt it into the new thing, mm -hmm. or into another thing. And uh, that's something that we just need to be very careful about, is like, what is our culture teaching us, and how does it want to distort scripture? That's not to say, though, we can't celebrate and worship the Lord using our culture at the same mm -hmm. time. Like, you know, it says in the passage that Cassie read, you know, it's uh, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Mm -hmm. And there's a sense of, like, all these people with their languages with from their places are worshiping. Mm -hmm. Like and it's so, a celebration of diversity. It's a celebration yeah. of diversity. And so there is like this balance of like, hey, we mm -hmm. we can't let our culture um, infect. But at the same time, like there are parts of our culture that are celebratory mm -hmm. or are a means of celebrating uh, the Lord. And so, but it's something that we do really have to be mindful of. It's happened a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So why does it matter, right? Like what are the implications of us having bodies now and also in eternal life? Yeah. So, I mean, some of the big, there's, there's like so many value, so many implications actually. Um, but one of them is like, it matters like how we um, live, you know? So actually this is interesting. Jewish people today, like, mm -hmm. um, like some strict Jews, 
when they get tattoos, they think that they're going to have that those tattoos in the resurrection. Mm. So like, so they're they're really anti tattoos. And I heard a story. My grandpa told me a story about a guy who, um, a Jewish guy he knew that like fell in love with this girl. And um, they were dating, and he got a tattoo. She was a she was a Catholic, okay. and then he got a tattoo of a cross with her name on it. Ah! And so his family, <laughs> when they saw that he got that, they're like, "We're disowning you. Whoa. Like you, you're. Uh, what have you done to your body? Like this is a, no. You're out of our house." And then she broke up with him. No. So it's like, oh my goodness, you know. But um, but like, so I mean, but if if you really believe something like that. That's going to change the way that you live today mm-hmm. is the, the main point of that story. And um, and I think the way that we live today, depending on what our view of what a, a person is, matters. And so right now in our time, we have a—I think we live in this cyber world, and we believe—like, it's very easy for us to believe, like, our real self is not— like our physical body. You know, Mm -hmm. the movie Avatar, I think, really um, envisioned that for us. Like the idea that somebody could kind of get synced up to a different body and live out their life in that different body. But the truth is, is that like our our physical body is very much a player in our personality, Mm -hmm. in our confidence and what we can do. Um, And so... um, the way that we like maintain our bodies, take shape of our bodies. So like seeing our body as like part of us, it really changes the way that we orient to the world and the ways that we have different values and about how, who we say, what, what we say about our identity. And so um, there's a lot in our culture right now that would elevate this internal self, this internal self, or, or an avatar idea, you know, so much so that I think there are even churches that meet online, or there are little worlds that meet online where people are like, like, kind of like have this like, uh, they'll like some people are like, like a that, computer game, a computer avatar, game, uh-huh. it, computer yeah, game like, avatar, like yeah. on, on the internet, you know, they yeah. have these internet communities, right? Mm-hmm. And people are getting to the point where some people get to the point where like. I'm really myself when I'm in this game or when I'm in this virtual environment. Um, But that's not who we are. Like, Mm -hmm. who we are is part of our physical body. I think one thing I I would say, just kind of drawing this out of what Christian's already said, is, like, there's a tension between, like, um, you know, with that, those computer avatars, like, we, we, we celebrate, oh, that's a really cool avatar or that's a really cool character that you made in this game and stuff like that um and we celebrate that thing but it's that's a man-made object our bodies are not a man-made object they're they're a god-made thing and that's not that it isn't fallen it's not subjected to fallenness but i do believe that it's closer to being Mm godlike than because god's allowed it yeah. God's allowed that thing to exist, to uh, for our bodies to exist, and so it's under that sovereignty of God. And there's there's genuinely this tension between like we prefer sometimes the man-made thing, the thing that we, yeah, the man-made things, the man-made things, what we can, yeah, the, I, I don't know, the man-made things, <laughs> um, the man-made things rather than the God-made things, and 
spending time trying to cultivate, well, what is the image of God in me that's coming out? And we mm -hmm. find that through scripture, through studying, like, who is the person of Jesus? Because Jesus is the image of God. And we're trying to bring out the image of God in us. Um, who is this person, Jesus? How, what does him and other, um, his, uh, uh, him, what does he say about uh, uh, my God-made self? Mm -hmm. and what 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 maybe is the the mud that's marred the god made self mm -hmm. that um that he's made and uh, how do i wipe that mud off so to speak but it's a much more careful process and um i think than than people might think so i think one thing you said nathan was like we tend to appreciate the things that we've made and it, I almost wonder if we tend to see those as more spectacular because mm -hmm. they, they seem new, right? Like mm -hmm. the internet, oh my gosh, now we're all so connected. Um, but there's also the miracle that we're all physical <laughs> and mm -hmm. that came from God. And I think mm -hmm. maybe there's this tendency to, to over-celebrate the things that are man-made and to undervalue the things that God has made. Mm -hmm. um, and there's just an invitation there to to celebrate the things that God has made and to see them as miraculous again, mm -hmm. even though maybe we're more used to the physical world. Um, that's just really interesting. I was thinking about that. Um, yeah. yeah, I think there's there's this invitation to value our physical selves, to see that as important, to take care of ourselves. I don't think we always do a good job of that in the church. No. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think um, like... Scripture says our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, taking care of our body is a really mm -hmm. important thing. Like all of a sudden, like when we think about like our physical bodies as part of who we are and it's like an essential part and there's even a resurrection of that. It's like, I'm going to have this thing for a while, <laughs> you know, Yeah. and we should really value it. It's like a gift from God and we need to take care of our body. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden working out is actually a spiritual Mm -hmm. endeavor you know mm -hmm. um we need to take seriously like not being gluttonous or mm -hmm. not um or even just just good exercise being cautious with what we eat drink you know mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. doing drugs is bad for you you know what i mean mm -hmm. like right. all kinds of like things like out of body experience yeah having yeah. out of body experience you exactly you know so um i also think you know like one thing you said cassie about the like the giftedness of our bodies and just seeing the wonder i think too there's so many people in our world, and, and I think most of us can relate to this, where we see nature or, and we just like are in awe and we wonder at it and we like, oh my goodness, the birds, what they can do. Or, you know, like when I had a, when we had a baby, it's like, it's just a, it's a miracle. Birth is just a miracle. And when you start looking at how the human body works together, it's just amazing. And, um, a Gnostic view or a view that just believes the spirit is true, or we're just going to go and mm -hmm. up into heaven as spirit. It, it, it really undermines the gift mm -hmm. of the physicality and the intricate beauty that he's made, mm -hmm. um, in our earth. And just like you think about weather systems, all these things. And God didn't make these things to just like do away with them. Right. He made these things and he's planning to like redeem them and like, continue them on mm -hmm. and so so then all of a sudden when we when we look at our bodies I mean what all of a sudden that is a, a praise mm -hmm. an eternal praise mm -hmm. um, kind of activity that we can be thankful for the physical world we can be thankful and that that's not something that's just gonna pass away 
And, um, and I think it really changes the way we view nature and um, we view just, yeah, just nature and the way um, that the world is put together. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. Yeah. I think one thing that I would say, though, is like, you know, it's easy to, I had a student um, at WSU. I love this guy. He's, he's great. I really love him. But uh, I remember when I first met him, he was like very, very driven. He's like, I am going to wake up at 5 a.m. every day and I'm going to work out. And he did. No joke. He did. That guy was hardcore. Okay. And I asked him, I was like, well, why do you want to work out? And he's like, I want my body to be majestic. (laughs) (laughs) No joke. That was the word he used. That's amazing. And I remember talking to him. I was like. I'm like, there's something idolatrous about that statement. Like, he wants to worship his body. I remember he'd lie on the couch after a few months, and he'd be like, he'd, sorry, I'm illustrating weird things. Um, but he would, like, lie on the couch. Yeah, yeah he would okay. lie on the couch and stroke his abs. Oh, my gosh. And I was just like, <laughs> dude. Guys, like, don't do that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, but, like, there is this level of, like, we can... It's good to take care of our bodies. It's good to physically care for our bodies. But there is this very, very, there is a line that exists when it's not an offering to the Lord. It's an offering to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is, as as people that love the Lord, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to take care of my physical body because God wants to like live here. Mm-hmm. He wants to live in me and I need to ca- take care of it. And he wants to work through me. And so as an offering to the Lord, I, I work out. Mm-hmm. And there's some benefits along the way. You know, I have more energy here. You know, I can lift more than five pounds. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. That was... <laughs> well, and I think in a similar way, it's like people worship nature. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like people oh, yeah. see see nature in the world and we can worship it mm-hmm. or we can, or people can um, say, well, isn't it amazing? And, and there's a great history of people just worshiping you know, the clouds or worshiping the trees or, mm-hmm. or seeing these things as our source of life. But ultimately these things, we, we are told that our God has made these things mm-hmm. and the way that they work miraculous, amazingly is not to, to worship the thing or our mm-hmm. body or whatever, but is to ultimately give glory to God, their creator. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there's a, there is a tension there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that segs pretty well into our next question. Um, So we're going to tackle one more myth today. And that's the idea uh, that when we die, we go from earth to heaven. And then heaven is our eternal destination. That's where we hang out forever. Um, So what are some biblical texts that suggest that that isn't the full picture? So I think uh, think it's really just uh, on the subject of, of... of heaven being our eternal place or, or the place that we're always going to be really just leaves something out of the Bible is, is really what um, is what's happening with that. And there is a very clear uh, passages of scripture that talk about a new earth that's coming as well and that we're going to abide in that new earth. And um, there is this sense with that new heaven and new earth that's talked about in Revelation of like sort of the kingdom of God is both, is there in both. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, it's hard for me to talk about it because I, I think about it in localities a little bit. So like, I think that there is a place that's heaven sometimes and a place that's earth. And I'm not a hundred percent convinced that is what it is, or if it's overlapped 
like maybe there's a third spatial dimension and a fourth spatial dimension and we what? can move in and out of those actually i had a professor that actually Whoa. believed that Whoa. um that angels were actually just fourth sp spatially dimensional beings and they just move in and out of that it was really cool it was a really interesting class All anyway right. um and so uh there um but yeah there is this sense of like no god is doing away with an old earth this old earth that's fallen that's broken he's going to restore that as well which is another i think indication of like the resurrection of the body it's another mm -hmm. statement of like no i'm resurrecting what is physically made mm -hmm. so um the reason i brought this one up is because i think if we if we simplify it to escapism right like we die and we go to heaven and that's it i think we miss a lot of the hope of scripture which is restoration of things that are broken um like there's Right, we, we look back to the Garden of Eden and here's God dwelling among his people and the relationships are right in every direction. People love God, God loves people. People love each other, people love the world, um, not in a weird way, but in a way that allows them to steward it well. And I think, you know, when sin enters the world, we see all of those relationships fracture in some way, not God loving people, but um, from people out. And so I think when we think about like the the new creation that we see in Revelation 21 and 22, which Nathan just talked about, that's where the hope is restored, where relationships are renewed correctly in every direction. Um, and in some ways, that's kind of like a return to the garden, but not totally. Um, and I think Christian wants to talk about that, so I'll let him do that. Um, but there's so much more to hope for, for our world and for our relationships with people um, than if we just say, okay, well, when we die, we escape the yeah. the brokenness that we've been a part of yeah yeah i i think i think what you're saying cassie too just like like it's talking about that you know we talk about heaven and earth and you know, nathan's talking about actual localities like where is it and and there is probably there's like a place where heaven is i don't understand where that is how that works mm -hmm. um that's my problem too and <laughs> we definitely have an earth um but but ultimately right now those places are most characterized by God's rulership. Mm -hmm. So heaven is the place where God is fully in charge. And earth is a place where some people follow him and some people don't. And the earth is still obedient to him, like in its faithfulness in terms of the way it spins. But also there's a natural part of the earth that's decaying and people are dying. And, and, um, and there's afflictions that God didn't intend in this earth as a result of our sin, us, us letting corruption enter the world. And, and all of that is against God's rulership. And so the end of our earth as we know it is really not so much an end to a physical earth, but it's an end to the rebellion mm -hmm. of God. Mm -hmm. And so the new heavens and the new earth, they stand for what, what it really means is like there's a new age of time where heaven and earth are the same place, like, because it's, it's the place of God's rulership. And it even says like, God says, and I will, and the heaven will descend, fall upon the earth and I will make my home with them and they will be my people. I will be their God. Mm -hmm. The sun, it says that the sun will no longer shine because I will be the light mm -hmm. of the earth. And I don't think that is meant to say that God is like going to scrap the sun and <laughs> But the main point is like 
the main light, the main orientation, the main everyone's source of life is going to be seen as God's dwelling upon the earth. Mm. And um, and so I, I think, like I do think this is like a real physical thing, and there are physical implications even in the moment right now. But ultimately, this is a question of God's authority and um, God's presence mm-hmm. and our acknowledgement of him. There's, there's a real spiritual connection um, and a real, uh, I guess, obedience and, um, and loyalty connection to what heaven and earth is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the implications of heaven and earth being restored and coming together uh, rather than Christians like escaping earth and going to heaven for eternity? You know, the main, the main thing is that, like, Jesus' body, Nathan talked about it earlier, was Jesus' body is the image of what this new creation is going to be like. And what we see, and the, these are two really important words that are a little weird, is that there's going to be continuity and discontinuity. Hmm. There's, this, there's a way that they recognize Jesus, right? And Jesus still had the marks that he had when he was alive. So, and Jesus could still eat, right? His body was very similar to the one that he had when he was alive. And so um, the resurrection, the, the new earth is going to be similar. Mm-hmm. Like the continents will probably be the same. Like the water will probably be very similar. Like there's going to be so much that is similar. Like people will see me in the new heavens and new earth and be like, hey, there's Christian That's Anderson. Christian. You know, like I it's know not him. it's not going to be like or or we even talked about in the Revelation 7, 9 text. People are still using their own languages. Mm-hmm. Like cultures, there's even a continuity of culture and tribe, and you know your your um, your ethnic, your yeah. ethnic racial ethnicity is is a is a God given thing. Like that's not gonna go away. Like that's mm-hmm. a permanent part of who you are. Like American Christian Anderson speaking English, that's going to go into the new heavens and the new earth. Like that's that's an amazing thought. Um, you know, people from different ethnic backgrounds, they don't need to change their their race or their culture or their language to worship God. And it'll be eternally valued in the new heavens and the new earth. So there's that continuity. That's really important. But at the same time, there's going to be a discontinuity where Jesus's body, like can just kind of go through walls and, (laughs) um, and you get the sense like he could eat, but does he need to eat like, or, um, is, is he going to die if he doesn't eat? Like, um, he's just a different, there's parts of him that seem different. And, um, another, another passage in the old Testament that kind of talks about this continuity and discontinuity is that the lion will lay down with the lamb. This is in the book mm-hmm. of Isaiah, the, the lion will lay down with the lamb. The child will play at the, at the adder's nest or the yeah. snake's nest. And he'll put his hand in there, but it won't bite him. Mm-hmm. Like, like, how is the lion going to live without eating the lamb? Like, right. how is that going to work out? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like this image of, like, nature getting along, like, mm-hmm. playing together so that kids can just, like, oh, I love you, little lion. You're my little <laughs> cat. You know, it's like. All your exotic pets that you've always I mean, wanted. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's unreal. <laughs> like, and it's not supposed to be an image that's, like, it's not supposed to be, like, a a playground image. It's not supposed Mm -hmm. to be like, it's supposed to challenge our imaginations and to Mm -hmm. say, you really can't imagine Mm -hmm. what the new world's going to be like. Like these are images that are pressing our understanding of foundations of how the earth works. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to work like that. Mm -hmm. So we have to be ready to say like, 
there's going to be this profound continuity, but then there's also going to be a, a rich yeah. discontinuity. Yeah, one thing that I thought of as you were talking about, like with the continuity and discontinuity and looking at what Jesus, Jesus being the image of uh, what is to come. Like I think about like, you know, him eating with his disciples and I think about like, oh, well, that means that there's fellowship mm-hmm. in heaven. Yeah. I think that like the Lord converses with us and has fellowship with us. And I think about the all tribes and like, it's like, what if all these tribes have fellowship there's no war. Mm-hmm. There's fellowship amongst all these different people. Um, yeah. And so there's this discontinuity that there's no war. And there's, in a way, discontinuity that there's fellowship mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. these. But it's continuity at, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's it's bringing out one thing and diminishing the other, mm-hmm. bringing down the other. And so I thought that was a really, I'd never thought of that before. The idea is like, oh, Jesus is eating, so there must be food in heaven. <laughs> Yeah, like that's a cool idea that there actually is food in heaven, and mm-hmm. like it's in other places in the scripture. But you might be able to take those passages of like the banquet table and things like mm-hmm. that as being more literal than figurative. Yeah, and it's like no, we're we're gonna eat together. We're gonna fellowship over food together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really like cool idea mm-hmm. personally. Interesting fact: C.S. Lewis thought there was gonna be cigars in heaven. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Total restoration. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just more hopeful than the vision we tend to get in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was even thinking, you know, the things that God said were very good at the beginning continue to be very good in God's mind. Right. Um, so like humans are commissioned to rule and subdue the earth. Um, there's this sense of humans are meant to steward what has been created. Um, and I don't think that goes away. I think, you know, in in the new creation, um, there will be opportunities for us to do meaningful work and to feel like we have a purpose in that um, and to steward creation well. And that's really exciting to me. I think we find this real struggle in our culture of like, am I doing meaningful things? And um, sometimes we can we can see that or feel like rest isn't always meaningful, but there's this balance of of work and rest both being good that I think we get to carry into heaven. Um, as we continue to fulfill our roles in God's kingdom. Yeah. And I think like, I think like we'll have meaningful work, you know, in mm-hmm. the new heavens and the new earth, but you know what it won't be attached to? It won't be attached to our value. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It won't yeah. be attached to whether or not we get to survive or mm-hmm. not. Yeah. There all these things like, like we'll have this opportunity of being able to meaningfully contribute to make a difference, to help our earth, but there won't be this feeling of, am I significant? Mm-hmm. Am I going to make it? Is my family going to be able to eat? All those, all those worries, you know, they talk about that as the part of the curse of toil mm-hmm. and, and the curse um, that Adam and Eve experienced when they left the garden. But we're going to be given this great, given very meaningful, hard tasks, but it'll be a good labor. Mm-hmm. It won't be a labor that we we emotionally struggle with or that we are physically worried about. Um, and um, another another implication, you know, and, and you think about those meaningful tasks of what we'll be doing um, in the new heavens and the new earth, it also means that what we do today will have a meaningful impact in the new heavens and the new earth. And there's a sense, I, I just, you know, if we go and like serve the Lord today, if we go and share the gospel with people, 
we can make an eternal impact in their lives. Mm -hmm. And it means that they will be able to live forever in this new heavens and new earth. I, I just, I mean, this again, I don't know if this is like a scriptural thing, but I just believe like when we worship God, it's going to have an eternal impact. And worship can be more than just like singing in a church on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. But if if we want to fight against things, like like if the earth matters and it's going to matter in the new heavens and the new earth, if we help with like things like climate change or we help um, try to take care of our earth today, mm-hmm. I believe that's going to help. That's going to have an eternal impact in the next, in the new heavens mm-hmm. and the new earth. And that that we're actually supposed to care for this earth because it's sticking around because God and God's going to make it new. He's going to restore it. Mm -hmm. But what if there's things that we do today that are spiritually going to could, could have an impact if our ministry to the earth could shine brightly Mm -hmm. in the new heavens and the new earth too. And so, um, this, this desire to take care of this earth, it's an eternal desire. That's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. And I think there is going to be a reward and there is going to be a, um, a glory for us that if we rightly care for the earth today, that that will show up in the new heavens and the new earth. I'm so excited, you guys. That's going to be so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! Having earth recreation, restoration hype. I'm excited. Um, final thoughts? No? Cool. Let's end there. Um, so thank you so much for joining me today talking about this christian and nathan you guys are great i like doing this with you um and if you're out there listening thanks for wrestling in scripture with us this is a fun topic to talk about um feel free to email us with comments questions or topic suggestions at social at oregonstatexa.com or you can talk to any one of us in person we'd love to chat about this with you have a great week and remember god's plan for eternity is even more hopeful than the version of heaven you find in our culture